This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Real Presence Radio listeners. Uh, we are with uh, Jack and Doreen Canelli broadcasting today out of the... Uh, the Fargo studio with a beautiful day in Fargo, and we hope it's a beautiful day wherever you are. We're going to be talking with Deacon Jeff Reese in just a moment, who is recently ordained as a permanent deacon for the Diocese of Crookston. But before that, uh, I know a lot of you have been waiting for this next joke, so here we go. All right. What did the pigs say on a hot summer day? Deacon, you could, the, the question is for you. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm drawing a blank. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, he said, I'm bacon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Yeah, I like it, that. Is, is, is that where the bar is set for this interview now? <laughs> no. Well, we like to start low because we don't want to put <laughs> too right. much pressure on our guests. <laughs> You'll easily jump over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're talking to Deacon Jeff Reese. Diocese of Crookston, recently ordained as a permanent deacon. And, uh, you know, deacon, uh, the materials I have don't give me much more information than that. So you well, can uh, introduce yourself a little more fully. Where, where are you located? What are you doing? And uh, How did you get there? How did you get there? <laughs> sure. Uh, I like to keep a low profile, so that's, that's I'm glad there's not much information on me out there. So. <laughs> um, I am... Like you say, Deacon, Deacon Jeffries, newly ordained, uh, six and a half weeks, uh, still have what we call that new deacon smell. So, uh, been, <laughs> like incense, chrism, yeah, yeah, yeah chrism. exactly, yeah. Uh, just turned sixty-one years old. Live up in Hallock, Minnesota, which is uh, straight north of you guys, about one hundred and forty miles. Still, still in the U.S., but getting pretty close to not being in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a. Uh, I've lived here all my life. Uh, literally, uh, live on the lot where I grew up. I had to tear the old house down and build a new one, but I, I live on the lot where I grew up. Uh, the only time I've been away from from Hallock is uh, during college, of course, and then a small stint of six years of, of working after college. But uh, most of my life has been here. Um, I've been a CPA up here for almost forty years. Uh, running a small, small but pretty successful CPA firm, uh, cradle Catholic, all of my life. Uh, my church, my parish is only two blocks from my house. I've received all my sacraments there, um, from baptism to confirmation. I got married there uh, to my wife Laura 15 years ago. Uh, my wife Laura is a science teacher in a neighboring small town of Lancaster. Um, teaches most of the sciences there. She's got five five science teaching licenses. Um, uh, we have a daughter, Lauren, her husband, Dale, and our grandson, Tiernan, uh, and her mother, uh, Laura's mother, Shirley, all living in, in Hallock within blocks of each other. So we have four generations of Laura's family living in, living in Hallock. So oh, that's great. Wow, that's, that's uh, really home. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, it is, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a Mayberry type of scene up here. It's pretty, pretty out of the way. And, um, 
like I said, I've been a member of St. Patrick's Parish up here all my life. Uh, very small parish, uh, 70 to 80 registered families. And, of course, you know, the statistics on that of registered families, how the percentages that actually practice is lower than that. But um, we have a pretty vibrant, vibrant parish. And uh, never had a, a deacon in this parish uh, or anyone ever ordained, so that was pretty special to have that happen in June. And uh, just happy to happy to be up here serving serving the people of St. Patrick's. So, so uh, what is the ethnicity of Hallock, yeah, oh. and <laughs> and what is the ratio of Catholic to? Let's see, yeah, Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's a hotbed of Scandinavianism up there. Yeah. How'd, the Irish, yeah. how'd the Irish sneak in? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't know how St. Patrick got in here, but oh. uh, uh, the the um, yeah the ethnicity is is pretty Scandinavian in Hallock proper. The the town of Lancaster, where my, where my wife teaches, is uh, leaning towards Polish. Um, so to, I am half Polish, a quarter German, and a quarter Lithuanian. So, uh, you know, I, I have fingers like sausage. I'm, I'm the thick-fingered uh, ethnicities <laughs> from, from Eastern Europe there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the ethnicity here. Uh, as far as the ratio, um, you know, it, it, that's a good question, and it kind of caught me off off guard there. I remember <laughs> growing up here in the seventies and and uh, you know late sixties and seventies that uh, the Lutheran church in town was a palatial mm-hmm. place, and it was packed. Um, like all religions, though, right now everything is kind of going downhill. But but w- our Catholic parish is is maintaining. Um, and we, I've had comments from, from parishioners of other denominations in town that says, you know, you guys have a really healthy um, congregation, and it's good to hear that. It's good that that, that perception is out there, and it's, it's, it's a reality, too. But um, so, you know, we, we're still the minority uh, as far as the Catholics, but I think we're gaining ground. So <laughs> well, with, that, with that backdrop, and... Uh... You know, you've got your your education. You're a CPA. You've been there all your life, but at some point in time, you were drawn to the diaconate. How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, yeah. I mean, kind of floating through the whole Catholic being being a cradle Catholic. You know, like I say, just honestly, kind of going through the motions most of my life. You know, I, I didn't as most. I shouldn't say most, but as some college kids do, they kind of maybe get away once they receive a little freedom. But actually, college drew me closer to the church. Um, and, and then when I came back to Halleck after a, a little stint away, um, you know, did did the whole church thing, being lector and, and you know, obviously bookkeeper, treasurer, that's what you get when you're at CCA. <laughs> so, um, but doing all that, but to answer your question more directly... Uh, it was February fourth, two thousand sixteen. Okay. Wow! <laughs> what happened February fourth, two thousand sixteen? Yeah. Well, no, well, and another story, but it wasn't. It wasn't like a a being uh, struck by like Saul moment. And, mm-hmm. and 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 the story behind that little thing was, you know, I had to write letters to the bishop asking permission to first become, you know, in the program and everything else. And I used the term being struck off my horse like Saul, and I used that many times. And finally, when I started formation, my director said, you know, Scripture doesn't say anything about Saul being on a horse. And I thought, oh, 
Yeah, you're right. You know, but I've seen a picture of it somewhere, and of course there was a yeah, there was a painting, and then it's like okay, there you go. Anyway, that was the beginning of my education. <laughs> um, so, getting back to February fourth, I was uh, sitting in my office here, which is only a couple blocks from the church. Everything's a couple blocks from everything else in Hallock. So, um, and there was a funeral that morning scheduled in our parish in the, for an elderly parishioner who had passed away, and I, I felt there wasn't going to be much of a a uh, much of a crowd. And she just was a lonely, lonelier widow, and had a few few grandchildren left out there. So I decided to walk down to the funeral. Um, and I walked in the door, and immediately the priest was right there and said, "Can, can you be lector today?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, the, the, unfortunately, the, the family hadn't planned anything. And earlier that morning, I just felt something. I needed to do something more for the church. What that more was, I didn't know. So I started, like everybody else does, Googling some stuff, and this word diaconate came up. I couldn't even pronounce diaconate, because after the priest asked me if I'd be elected, I said, yeah, and, and I'd like to talk to you about the diaconate or something afterwards. And he said, and he just grinned from ear to ear. He said, yep, fine, but after the funeral, okay? <laughs> and and the, the priest is a, is, that I'm talking about is a, a very popular host of our PR father, Craig Vosick. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, he was in Halleck at that time. And so that is... I would have to say the moment that I really began to look into the the diaconate, and it really seemed to fit of what I was looking for of of you know air quote doing more, not necessarily do you know knowing what that more was, but I knew there was more I could do for the church. Um, and from that point on, it just it just kind of kind of flourished. I couldn't stop thinking about it or reading about it, and and uh, you know whatever trials came up in my life or my parish or whatever it was like, nope, nothing is discouraging me from this. Everything was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And again, this was uh, February of 16. I remember going on a silent retreat um, uh, after that, and my application for, for the program was in the first week in January of 17, because that's when the program was starting in the diocese that year. It was fall of 17. So, And how long was the program? It It is a five-year program. Being ordained in June of 22 is actually, you know, chronologically, what, four and a half years then uh, that, that the program ran. Um, and people say, well, didn't time, you know, man, it, it, it flew by so fast. No, it didn't. No, it really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was the full four and a half, five yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Trust so, me. <laughs> um, when men are in formation um, looking towards being ordained a permanent deacon, if that man is married, what is his wife's um, role in that? And maybe before... He, Maybe that's something you can answer after we're coming up on sure. a break in just a minute. But, yeah, it's not um, a short answer. <laughs> yeah, and and then also, what was your wife's response when you first um, proposed this idea to her? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it was one of support, obviously. Uh, if, you, if you've done some math, uh, you know, I, I've been married to her for 15 years, and I just turned 61, so mm-hmm. okay, the, I got married when I was 46 uh, for the first time, and so... I, I, you know, late coming to the party, but what drew me, you know, well, 
a lot of things drew me to my my bride, but I mean the solidifying thing is is she wasn't Catholic at the time, but immediately you know was willing to go through RCIA and convert and and all that stuff. So I knew she was the gal for me at that time, fifteen mm. years ago. Well, um, but I will get back to the to the answering the question of their role in the in the formation after after the break. I guess. All okay. Right. Well, this <laughs> is a, this is a good time for a break. And for your listeners, you're listening to Real Presence Live. We're talking to Jeff Reese, a recently ordained permanent deacon for the Diocese of Crixton, and we will have more to come after the break. So stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Does someone who takes their own life automatically go to hell? I'm Father Chris Alar. In 1993, my grandmother took her life, and for years I carried this burden because she committed a grave sin and had no time to repent. But the church states that certain mental conditions may reduce the responsibility of one who takes their own life. You are only eternally lost if you die in an unrepentant state of mortal sin. And for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must be present. And one of those conditions is complete free will. I don't believe many people freely want to take their life. So there is hope for their salvation. To learn more, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. God's blessings to all of you. My name is Father Chad Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. And this year I celebrate 25 years of being a priest. And the joy, the great things that I love about the priesthood is the deep relationship that Jesus and I have as speaking heart to heart. He knows the depths of my heart, and He speaks to all of us in the depths of our heart. That's what I enjoy about being a priest, that I get to speak about Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day of my life, and that I've given my life to Jesus and the Church. What a wonderful grace and a gift that has been for me for 25 years, and to serve the good people of the Diocese of Fargo, but just to serve the Church as a whole. May God continue to bless all of you as you listen to Real Presence Radio. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Real Presence Radio audience. We're happy that you're with us, and we hope you've enjoyed the uh, guests that we've had the wonderful opportunity to uh, learn from and help you um, learn as well. And I'd like to welcome back Deacon Jeff Reese from the Diocese of Crookston, who is the first and only deacon to have ever been in his parish in Hallock, Minnesota. And so welcome back, Jeff, and, or Deacon, Thank I should you. say. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, green uh, is very formal I'm, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I am still not. Used, I'm still not used to hearing that. Yeah, so. you know, that's like when a person gets married. You're not in a teacher. I was a teacher. It was hard to get used to Mrs. Canelli. Um, right. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard for daughters-in-law who were once your students to, <laughs> to call, call you by your first name. I know that by personal experience, too, um, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Um, so we were just before the break, we were talking about the role of, uh, in, the, in the case of a, a permanent deacon or a man who is going through deaconate formation, and is married, what is the role of your wife in that process? Well, it's, it's indispensable. Without mm. them, you can't become a deacon, mm. literally, because they have to, they have to first you know, formally write a letter to the bishop themselves, giving their permission for you to actually uh, do, do the formation process. And then at, towards the end, they have to write another and these letters are handwritten to the bishop, um, giving their permission for ordination. Really? Um, I did yeah. not know that. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, literally, without the spouse's consent, we, we cannot become ordained. Um, yeah. So, very important. <laughs> very important. Wow, what a beautiful... Um, what a beautiful... What do I want to say? Reverence for the sacrament yeah. of matrimony. Yeah, the it really meeting. is. Yep. It the really two are, is. well. The two are one. <laughs> yeah, the 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 sacraments of vocation are mm-hmm. matrimony and holy orders, mm-hmm. and and this shows you know very strongly how the two are tied together when people really don't think about it um, that way. Um, so yeah, it, it is it is totally dependent on them. I, I was privileged to give the closing comments for my deacon class at my ordination, and then and I'm, uh, you know, going through what I had written, and, you know, not a big deal. And when I got to thanking the wives, I... I I broke down a little bit, oh. and not no, not knowing it was coming, not yep. knowing it was coming at all, <laughs> uh-huh. and so that just kind of you know that was the Holy Spirit saying, um, yeah, you know, without this without this lady, you you wouldn't be here. And and another thing, your viewers may not, your listeners may not know about permanent deacons. Uh, yes, they can be married and ordained, but if their wife predeceases them, they cannot remarry. Um, they have to remain celibate then. So, uh, but my wife is ex- a lot younger than me, a lot younger than me, so not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the time. <laughs> no, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah. let's take that back. But. <laughs> yes. Oh, but yeah, that. Thank you for saying that because I, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't know that. Could you also say something about the difference between a transitional? Deacon and a permanent deacon. Sure, uh, um, and I'll have to walk back a statement I said before, where Saint Patrick has never had a deacon. That's a lie because every priest is a deacon first. True, um, and, and and that's where transitional deacon comes in. Uh, a, a seminarian gets ordained as a deacon, uh, typically a year before they're ordained as a priest, and and that's the transitional part that year. Um, they are a deacon. It's the same, again, duties and holy orders as a permanent deacon, but they are in transition then to the priesthood, um, whereas we, 
we're stuck at permanent deacon, which is, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, the, the Vatican II brought back the permanent diaconate uh, in, in full force back in the late 60s. Uh, so uh, it had disappeared for actually a few centuries. Um, but in the beginning of the church, the permanent deacons were, well, they weren't even called permanent deacons, they were just deacons. Mm-hmm. Um you know, were very influential in the church. A lot of a lot of the early popes were deacons, um, you know, and not priests or anything like that. So, you know, there's a, there, there's hope for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when did it become clear to you? I would imagine that you know, from the time uh, I forget the date in two thousand February fourth, two thousand sixteen. You know, you had to be pondering. You know, is this the right path for me? And it's like, when did it become clear for you? And also. Um, you know, what were some of the challenges that you faced during your formation? Sure. Um, you know, there really wasn't a clarity moment. It just kept getting stronger and stronger. Once I made the decision to do this, again, I, I just I could, I was, couldn't stop reading about the diaconate and, and all this, though. So it just kept getting stronger and stronger. And then we had some, uh, you know, priests priest turnover in our parish and, and uh, items going on within our diocese and people that, well, are you still, are you still, it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So th- there really wasn't a specific moment that it became clear this was my calling. It just, it just, it was just always there, I guess. Um, uh, and then, you know, some of the some of the hurdles to overcome during formation and all this stuff. Uh, uh, time management is one thing because it is a time commitment, mm-hmm. you know, especially being still fully employed and, and running a CPA firm and that type of thing. So time management was was a little uh, difficult. Uh, going back to uh, college-type courses, uh, writing research papers, uh, doing the you know, correct footnotes and things like that. That that was that's rough for a sixty year old guy. Mm-hmm. Um, getting impatient a little bit with that process, but this all leads then to humility. My ego was getting in the way of some. You know, well, why does a sixty year old guy need to know how to put a footnote? That has nothing yeah. to do with a di- mm-hmm. diaconate. You know. <laughs> Nobody, it's, nobody reads them either. <laughs> well, yeah, other than the professors. <laughs> yeah. um, but that was part of dying unto oneself, getting rid of that ego, um, uh, becoming humble, uh, having humility in your service. Because if we, if we have, you know, a deacon is called to service. That, that's that's what we do. And if we're doing the service without the humility, we still have a hubris about us. Then it's nothing but lip service that we're giving. Mm-hmm. You have to. And I learned, I you know, I heard that term for years. You know, die unto oneself. Die. What does that mean? I, I finally figured out what that means, and it's still difficult. Uh, you know, sometimes my my ego gets the best of me yet, um, and that's you know, tamping that. Tamping, tamping that down is is uh, is still a struggle. It's still well, a struggle. 
Yeah. Like today's gospel, it's one of the things you had to sell to buy, get the pearl of great price. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Should we get a blessing? Yes, Deacon. Could you, you got give about us your ten blessing? Ten seconds to give us a blessing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, may Almighty God bless you in your service, and may Almighty God bless all the listeners out there. And bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank yes. you, and God bless you, yes, too. Yes, so sorry we had to kind of cut you short there, Deacon. But No, it's been, it's, it's been wonderful. Oh, it's it's great been great having you on. And so uh, best of luck and blessings to you in your diaconate and your work in service to the church up there in Howick. Thank you so much. Right. Okay. And now for a lot of people out there, the high point of our show, and this is when Mark gives the technical director preview of the next show. So take it away, Mark. On the next Real Presence Live, Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Karen Selensky and Monsignor Schumacher are your hosts, coming to you live from the Corpus Christi Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. Dr. Megan Schneider from the University of Mary will be on to share an opportunity for medical students to study Catholic moral teaching. Then, Gary Zimick will talk about following truth and managing fear in your life. Also, Mark Meyer will be on to talk about the soup, soup cafe, which is not like a typical soup kitchen. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Well, that sounds intriguing, the Soup Cafe. Mm-hmm. Never heard of that. I, yeah, I have to listen in. That's right. Well, well, thanks to our listeners for listening, but before, before we even let you go, we've got time for a couple of more jokes. Jack, what's the best way to watch a fishing tournament? <sighs> best way to watch a fishing tournament? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. By live stream. By live stream, okay. Get it. I get it. We need a drum roll. I mean, <laughs> you need say that something. Every time. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, every time. It's, it's so dead when. Anyway. <laughs> well, you can tap your pen on the. <laughs> yeah. On the table. Right. Uh, let's see. Did you want another one? Sure. Let's see. Where do ghosts like to go to cool off in the summer heat? Um. Where do ghosts like to go to cool off in the summer heat? Cool off in the summer heat. Uh, I don't know. Lake Erie. Lake Erie, little <laughs> brother. We still got a minute to go. I know. Do you have a joke? Uh, no. You don't? No. Oh. You're the one who does the research. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know. What do you call a snowman in the summer? Uh, water. A puddle. Okay, yeah, that's close good. enough. That's good. Mm-hmm. I hope our grandkids are listening to this. I hope they are, too. Did you mention that the they're, they're on the way here? I did. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, good. Okay, we did our shout-out then. We did. Okay. 30 seconds. Okay. You flipping through your phone? Well. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you shot all only, your, your entire people. ammunition. Okay. What do sheep do on a summer weekend? Uh, sheep doing a summer weekend? They have a barbecue. Oh, brother. <laughs> I know, so bad. We're going to yes. have to dive deeper Thank into the listeners. joke book before the next time. <laughs> this has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live. 
on the Real Presence Radio Network.